I am Tova Cito. And I am Janice Gant. And we believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And that it is our job to get us there. Every week, we will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The The Remedy. Remedy. All right, everyone. Welcome to the very next episode of The Remedy with Tovacito and... Janice Gant. Woo-woo. Hi, Janice. How are you? I'm good, Tova. How are you? <laughs> I'm so good, which is really funny that I did that because we just got done recording. <laughs> We've already Nobody would have known for that. An hour. <laughs> We've already been talking for two hours. <laughs> Way to pull back the curtain. It just felt like I needed to tell the truth about that. Yeah, he had to come clean. <laughs> I That's know exactly good. how Janice is doing. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> but we are um, we are so grateful that all of you um, are joining us today, whether you're in the car or on a walk or just... I, I listen to podcasts when I sweep my house. It's usually... Oh, I do that too when I'm like cooking or doing a, yeah. working or something. Yeah. I listen to a lot of stuff. Yeah, when I'm doing something else, I really like it. When do you listen to podcasts, Janice? Most of the time when I'm walking. On a walk. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think that's when most mm-hmm. people listen to it. A lot of guys listen to it, I think, either at the gym or in the car. For uh-huh. me, it makes chores way better. Yeah. Like doing dishes yeah. or laundry yeah. or something especially like that. Especially laundry. Uh-huh. It just makes and it more fun. especially dishes. <laughs> yeah, dishes, for sure. <laughs> dishes suck. Suck. You are, <laughs> Kevin, you are such a modern man. <laughs> That's what we're going to call you, Modern Man right. Kev. Uh-huh. <laughs> he likes his I don't know name. How accurate you should see is, how, but... how big his smile yeah. is, Janice. <laughs> I like to be a progressive guy. Uh, okay, so we need to thank the sponsor for today's show. We are so grateful for Robin Back- Bagwell. She lives here in Dallas and she is a huge fan of the remedy. And oh, thank you, Robin. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank, thank you, you. Thank you so much. I've known Robin for lots of years, and I love her kids and her husband, and they're a great family, and she's a huge fan of us. And so we really appreciate all of our sponsors. If you are interested in uh, sponsoring an episode, it's super easy. All you have to do is go to tovacito.com or um, at tova-cito on Venmo. And any amount is super helpful. Every episode is about $200. We forgot to say that in the last show. Yeah, it's okay. People know. It happens. (laughs) People know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so today I'm very excited about our guest. Um, And Janice, I'm going to let you introduce her. But um, what I can tell you, Hillary, is how Janice has has spoken about you, the things that she has said about you, how much she admires you. Um, I don't know much about you at all, but um, but I'm very excited to get to know you. So uh, Janice, tell us a little bit about our guest today, Hillary Roberts. Okay. Hi, Hillary. Hi, Janice. Hi, Tova. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so Hillary and I have been friends for how long, Hillary? About how long? Yeah, I would say, gosh, yeah, maybe five, six years. Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. 
And uh, so, Hillary, you and Tova, it's really very important that y'all are meeting today anyway, because I have asked Tova to be my minister at my funeral (laughs) whenever that happens. Wow. And Tova, Hillary, Hillary. I have asked asked Hillary to sing at my funeral. Oh, my word. What's my job? And I've I've actually... I've You're actually, the MC, Kevin. Can't leave me out. You're the MC. All right. <laughs> I always and, wanted to MC act- a funeral. Well, that, that you can. This is a you morbid section of the want. show right here. You, <laughs> you could actually, you could actually wear anything you want, also to cool. MC that that event. All right. I feel like there's going to be a like, dance party at the end. Yeah, I think so. We'll, it'll, we'll make <laughs> it right. fun. It'll be a celebration. Well, it's not a funeral. Well, You're right, never exactly. going to have a funeral. No. It's only going to no. be a celebration. I know anybody wants that. Well, I told, uh, I have written down instructions for that service to my and given it to my husband and to my three daughters and with Tova's name and Hillary's name down there. And I'm going to add Kevin's tonight. <laughs> and then... <laughs> I'd be honored, but don't... I actually even told, wrote down and have told, asked Hillary the songs that I would like for her to sing. And I can't even remember. In the Arms of an Angel, I think, is one of it. And Hillary, do you remember? I love that song. I know. It's such a beautiful song. Mm -hmm. And honestly and truly, Hillary's, well, well, let me just tell you a little bit about Hillary. Yeah, tell us all about her. Is and I want her to tell you really the most about her. But Hillary was right born in Denver, right? Yes. And um, and has has sung her way through life. She has one of the most beautiful singing voices you have ever heard. And wow. that and along with that. She is absolutely gorgeous. So if you go to Instagram or you go to or Google Hillary Roberts, I mean, she'll come up and she's got this beautiful red hair and wonderful eyelashes. Always. <laughs> I'm, I'm always enamored with her eyelashes. It sounds like I'm kind of weird, but I mean, she really is just stunningly beautiful and um, has been uh, well, that's blessing the truth. in my life. Yeah, oh, and thank you. And, oh, you're so welcome. So we're so honored to have you, Hillary. Thank you so much for for doing this. And I want Hillary to talk about her life and some of her experiences because she has done a wonderful job of sharing some of her experiences with other people and changing lives through that. And then she has also recorded, I don't know, how many songs, Hillary? Three, four? Oh, we just, we released my album, my, my album, which is an LP, actually, an LP. Yeah. We released that that has 12 songs on it. That one oh. was released in wow. a few months ago. And then we're, we're already like five, six songs into the next record. But yeah, it's exciting. Hillary, oh my gosh, you... it's so exciting. So your, so your videos are just spectacular. <laughs> So how do people, if they want to go, uh, is it best to go to your website? Um, you know, I... Um, like your music videos? Is that what you're talking about, Janice? Yeah. yeah. You, go, you want to go to official Hillary Roberts at YouTube. That's where you okay. want to go. And that's where you can see 
that's where you can see all the stuff we've been up to and we have behind the scenes. We have all kinds of stuff on there and uh, you can always go to my Instagram to see what I am currently up to or what different posts I do. And I have stories on Facebook and Instagram that I'm always putting up just little stuff that I'm doing. Sometimes I'm a bit goofy. Sometimes it's more of a serious thing. Yeah. Yesterday the hula hoop was amazing. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Or last week, November 8th. I'm looking at you doing the little hula hoop. You look adorable. You really are so beautiful, Hillary. You you are so sweet, Tova. Thank you. Thank you. She really is. And, And along with her recordings and her videos and she has started a foundation called uh, the Red Songbird Foundation. And we'll talk about that also because I think that's really important. So um, are you ready to take it away, Hillary? <laughs> I, I am. I am. First We're, of all, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just no, want to first just say, it's say it's a, oh, no. sorry, go. go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, start wherever you want and take it on your own thing. And we'll just chime in and ask questions. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. First of all, it's an honor to be here. You two or you three. Thanks, we got, can't forget the producer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you three. It's you can forget. It's okay. And, nah. and the feeling is mutual, Janice. I mean, quite frankly, Janice has walked out a bunch of stuff and I've gone through a lot of growing pains with Janice and she has guided me and helped my life immensely. And uh, oh. it's just, you know, for any of the listeners out there, you know, it's sometimes you think you're never going to get well from something and then there's the breakthrough, mm-hmm. there's the breakthrough. And it's just, and I'll get to that in a little while. But, um, so I grew up in Denver, Colorado. My parents, uh, divorced when I was two, I came from a family, half of my family, my father's side was very well known. My grandfather was, the chairman of the board of the Colorado National Bank System, and he also uh, was on the board of what is similar to DART here in Texas. It was the RTD out there, and um, and, and and building different things. And my great grandfather, um, like well, it's my great great grandfather started the largest insur- insurance conglomerate, and my great grandfather had taken that over still on my dad's side, but it was really my, um, my dad's mother's side. So, so I had that going on. And then on my mom's side, she came from humble means and she, um, they, they pulled themselves up by the bootstraps and granddaddy worked his way up and they scrimped and saved and scrimped and saved and, and then got themselves into a nice financial position. They weren't like, rich by any means, but they were comfortable and were very um, disciplined in what they did. They were religious folk, but not, um, at least my grandmother wasn't in a kind of a shaming way. So uh-huh. she, there, there was a lot of love there and it was very much, I was just very close to my, my, my maternal grandmother. So I have an older brother who's five years older than I am. And so um, I'll come back to some of this later, but um, as I grew up, as I grew up, I was a child with a lot of energy and I, we, my parents, there was just a lot of dysfunction going on. And my, 
my, my father moved out somewhere between one and one and a half, I believe. And I vaguely remember the fights. It's amazing that, that those didn't come to me till later. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, we lost the home that I grew up in when I was five. And I think it was just because my mom was not stable and there were different things going on. And by the time I was in eighth grade, I had gone to like 13 different schools. Oh, now my father, gosh. my father uh, started dating a woman when I was four and they got married when I was six. And I was very jealous of her because he was very nice to her and not nice to me. And mm. I always mm. thought maybe I imagined that, but then I learned from people later on as an adult now, I, you know, um, as, as an adult woman that, I wasn't delusional about that. That, that really was the case. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, I grew up where, um, my father was a rageaholic. My mom was like a come here, go away, passive aggressive. She could give you the best affection, the best love, the most uplifting words, and then tear you down in a heartbeat. Those people might be the most difficult people for me in the whole wide world. The, the yeah. come here, go away, come here, go away. I, I can't, th- that, those, that's tough. It's yeah. so confusing to the child. Oh, oh, so confusing. Yeah, and she could, she could be in the same room mm-hmm. and just disappear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like, not be there. You know, she's just not, mm-mm. Hillary, and, were you uh, close with your brother? I, up? Uh, he was like my hero, but he did, he really didn't want a lot to do with me. <laughs> he was <laughs> five I years loved older. him to death. I loved mm. him to death. And, um, I will say that, you know, I think part of it was, you know, they got divorced after I was born. So he, he realized later on with his own counseling that he, he felt like I, I was responsible oh. for the, oh. divorce, which made him resent me. Wow. Yeah. And so, and, um, and by the way, we're close today. So we're, we're, yeah. we're very close today. That's good. But, um, but I grew up, you know, my parents, my mother left to go travel the world with a guy on a boat when I was eight and a half. And we went to go live with my father and stepmother, who my mother would talk a lot of trash about dad's rage and, but then had us go live with him. And, mm-hmm. um, and it was very traumatic for me when I lost my mom for those few years. And, and, um, would and she I, come back or was she just she gone? Did. She did. She, she didn't know when she was coming back. She finally did when I turned 11. So you but didn't see her for years. I didn't see her for years. I got <sighs> to see her for one summer for a month. And then she wanted me to go home. And I, I remember I was so scared of sharks and yeah. all my brother, all my brother had to do was go dun, 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 dun. And I'd start crying and jump out of the water. Cause you know, of course he thought it was so funny that I was terrified of the sharks but I remember the last day that we were doing a going away thing for Eric and I to go home. Uh, I was like, please, mom, let me stay. I had, I had three French boys that I had befriended. I was 10. They were not nine, 11 and 12. So I was just, they lived on another boat where we were. And I loved being on the boat, taking warm showers in the rain, the fishing, they were homeschooled. I'm like, I'll, I'll get straight A's mom. Please let me stay. <laughs> and She's like, no, Jack doesn't like kids, so you can't stay, you know. I can't even imagine. Yeah, and so (sighs) there was a bay, and the bay we were we were we were anchored in was actually a bay that was very murky, 
with a lot of sharks. And I knew not to get in that water, but I, that, that was the first time I remember being like, didn't, that I wanted to die, that I really wanted to die. And I jumped in that water and I was hoping a shark would eat me and they had to fish me out. And they're, of course she, oh, you're such a drama queen. I heard that a lot, you know, cause I'm trying to get their attention for mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a yell for help, but they just thought I was ridiculous. So. And you probably but in, were, but you're just a child who wanted their parents to love them. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And it's, in, you know, and the thing, the other thing was, is that um, I went to schools. My father had gone to private schools and he hated it. And he was, his own mother died when he was three and he was raised by nannies. And, and then, you know, his, his um, mother's father uh, my great grandfather would use the purse strings to manipulate. And there was just a lot of stuff there. And um, so he grew up in stuff, you know, he grew up with trauma and unresolved healing yeah. in that. And which I figured out later, of course, as a kid, I didn't know that, but then um, I went to schools though. Uh, my mom couldn't afford to send me to decent schools and my father didn't want me going to those other schools. And so I went to inner city schools and, I was pretty much a minority at the schools and I was really small for my age. And, you know, I wanted to be anything but who I was. I didn't want my hair color. I didn't want my pale skin. I didn't want my freckles. I hated my name. I'd go by different names. I changed schools sometimes three times in one year. It was very hard. Mm. And it wasn't because it was because of dysfunction, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, yeah. um, and in the midst of all of that, so I will say this, you know, my parents, I believe they love me to the best of their ability, but I was unprotected. And so I started being abused and sexually, uh, well, I know that when I was three, it was a sexual torture kind of thing. And, um, Janice knows all about that, but it was Mm -hmm. like age three and I just, so throughout my childhood by different perpetrators, awful things happened. And, um, I started thinking, what is wrong with me? How am I causing this? And, you know, I just wanted to be loved. I wanted to, and I didn't remember the things that happened at three and five until I was 19 and 21. And then the things later on, I did remember one of the incidences was with my best friend's dad. Another one was with the music minister at the church. And I can say that the thing that happened when I was, my best friend's dad was when I was 12. And I believe she had, I believe she had me spend the night just probably for her to get a reprieve from him. Oh. And, uh, I, that's what I believe. I could be wrong. I don't, but I don't think so. Yeah. And he ended up going to court. I had told my mother and she called the police. My father told me I was lying and that I wanted attention and that I was a drama queen. So he would not. And I was remember screaming, crying, begging him, please believe me, please believe me. Mm. And, And, uh, anyway, so this guy went to court and, and he got a year probation and sent my mother, the state sent my mother $2.99 restitution for harm done, but he had molested three 12 year old girls. And that's what he got. And that was in Uh, 1981. Thank God things have changed. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so then, um, when I was about, you know, mom was back and I was going back and forth I'm starting to lose my mind a bit where I had been in accelerated classes, I start losing it at school. Um, what does that look I, like? I, what do you mean, Hillary? What, is, what do you mean I, you I started mean, losing you know, it? I'm, 
I just, I, you know, at the same time, right around the abuse time, right before that, I was never a popular kid. And I was in the seventh grade at this middle school and I ended up singing in the, in the, in the talent show and I became very popular for the first time. And, and, and at my school, you know, the sister girls, they were like inviting me to go be with their families. They were trying to teach me how to dance on the beat because <laughs> I was so white. I, I freaking, it took me three months to get that dang beat. And they, I just love my friends. You know, we were listening to the, to the dance, you know, to the R and B music and dancing, learning all the cute little new dances and doing our little thing. And I love, love my friends. And so as these things, I'm starting to be happy in this place. And then this other thing happens with the abuse. And then my mom, uh, she had remarried that guy she had been on the boat with. And then they ended up later on getting divorced. And um, I'm going back and forth between my, my dad and my mom. It's a very, uh, uh, I don't, it's not a very clear time for me. Um, and the other thing that had happened was that I, I, um, I, I had, I had taken my first drink, but that I hadn't taken my first drink yet. Like not major. I hadn't gotten drunk yet. I tasted stuff. I had, I had, um, I think I had smoked pot once and it made me laugh and laugh and laugh and eat bagels and <laughs> bagels and cream cheese, like tasted like the most amazing thing that was ever made. Uh -huh. world. All that stuff. And, but I, um, how old are you at this point, Hillary? 13, okay. 13. My, my brother helped introduce, he introduced me to whippets and he introduced me to pot. Yeah. What's a whippet? It's, it's like where nitrous it's oxide. The, uh, yeah. It's like what's that? What's in a, like a can of whipped cream. It's like the gas. Oh. Like what, the, what you get at the dentist, basically. Oh, I like that stuff. Yeah, it's, but you can get like a balloon like a, and fill it with it's the... It's laughing gas, pretty yeah. much, yeah. Okay. It's like that you mm -hmm. get from the dentist. Yeah, I, I but you like can get that out of whipped cream and like fill a balloon with it and breathe it in. <laughs> oh. Or maybe it's that. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever it was. <laughs> no, like, that's right. Uh, that's the same stuff in a whipped cream bottle that's at the dentist, the laughing gas. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> And well, so, I, I only do it at the dentist. I just, I just said <laughs> I like it twice. Like, I'm let's like, clarify wait, that. What's wrong, yeah. what's wrong with that? <laughs> I like that stuff. I don't know that stuff. Clearly, I just had to ask what it is. But I like when I go to the dentist and I'm getting a filling, and they give that to me. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then, so then I started going to church with my mom. I remember that. And I was doing little uh, youth group stuff. And I started feeling like I was getting this relationship with this God that I didn't understand, but I was excited about it. My mom got a roommate. The music minister from the church lived downstairs. He had an eight-year-old daughter. I'm about 13 and a half, something like that. And, and then... Um, trying to fit into that whole, you know, fitting into that whole scene. And mm -hmm. then, you know, something bad happens again with this guy, this music oh, minister from the church. God. And then at that point, mom didn't prosecute. I remember I came home from school. I told her what had happened. And, you know, he, he was sitting there crying to her and she's just listening to him. And I'm like, for what? And then he was not prosecuted. Never prosecuted, nothing. She just moved, you know, she tried to get me an apartment. And I remember that was the one night when she didn't kick his butt out of the house that night or call the police or anything. 
you know, I'm playing the piano late and I'm angry and I can't figure out why I'm acting the way I'm acting, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm just, and, and I, but I don't want to listen to her. I'm mad at her. And that night I punched my mom in the stomach. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was kicking me out of the house because I was playing the piano so loud. She couldn't sleep and she's shoving me out the door and then I punched her. And I remember that. And I had so much guilt about that today. I understand where it was coming from. I was angry. You're yeah. not protecting me. Exactly. But I despise myself for so many years for hitting my own mother. But it was confusing. And that's the thing. When when children are abused, they don't, they cannot process it the way that an adult would process it. They no. think there's something wrong with them. They can't understand why they're acting out. They can't understand why they're having all this stuff go on. They don't understand. Now, let me clarify, though, Tova and Janice. I... I, um, when I took my first drink, yes, I had a lot going on upstairs in my brain. That was just not good stuff. I mean, it was just like, I was afraid of everything. I just knew whatever anybody was thinking about me was bad. I had a cannon blast of anxiety and blasting through my guts, but I will tell you, and I learned later on this, but when I took that first drink and I, and I drank alcoholically from the first time I ever did it, I figured, found out later that I, when I took the drink, the drink took me. That's right. And I, and I thought it was because of all my abuse. If you would have grown up the way I did, and if you would have had the things happen to you that I did. Now, all those things are valid. Mm-hmm. But I met, what helped me is I met other people that are, that when I finally got sober, that had the most idyllic childhoods, parents mm-hmm. that loved mm-hmm. them beyond, mm-hmm. went to all the same schools, never were molested, had all the lives that I wanted. And still became alcoholic. Yeah. Still became. Hillary, I'm so glad you said that because, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I worked at a church for 10 years and I was the youth pastor for many years. And so many, I mean, I, you know, nature versus nurture. Oh, he acts that he's acting out because his mom is blah, blah, blah. He's acting out. She's acting out because her dad, you know, she has daddy issues and, 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 Maybe, yeah, there's there's something to that, but I can't tell you how many great parents, <laughs> seemingly, clearly I did not live with them, but seemingly great parents had children who acted out and struggled with addiction. And, um, you know, it, it does, it cuts both ways. And I when, I when I was a youth pastor, I didn't have children, and I thought, gosh, this is a really important lesson because when your kids, when your kids start acting out or g- getting involved in a whole bunch of things, the first thing you think about is where did I go wrong, you know? Yeah. And yeah. maybe you did go wrong, but maybe you didn't. Maybe there was something else going on. Maybe it's an, a bully at school or a teacher or a coach or a youth minister or or a friend, you know, that it's not yeah. always the parents. And I think, I love that you said that. Yeah. Cause I think parents, it's the first place parents go, especially good yeah, ones co- is what, what did I do? The co-chair of my foundation, Jason Waller, who is star of the Hills and whose family, his parents, I've met his parents. They are the most lovely people. And he taught, you know, we were talking earlier on our own po- podcast cause I was interviewing him today actually. And he was talking about how, you know, there, he was, nothing ever happened to him. He just, these particular, and his parents loved him and he had every opportunity for so many things. And so it's interesting. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And my own spiritual advisor, same thing for her. She was loved, mm-hmm. so loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so it's interesting. Yeah, it it's is. Interesting. It is interesting. Um, I can tell you that something happens when you have uh, sexual trauma or abandonment trauma or uh, these these different uh, aspects that, that I grew up in, which is, you know, you kind of start to ignore you inside. And so I, the, to go back to the school thing, I ended up repeating the eighth grade, started into the ninth grade, and I finally just left school because uh, more traumatic events happened. You know, I... Uh, I, um, I dated one of the guys that was mixed there, uh, who's African-American and white and the African-American girls did not like that. Plus I could dance at this particular school (laughs) by that time. (laughs) Yeah. By that time I had rhythm. So they didn't like all those moves paid off. (laughs) Yeah. They didn't, they didn't like, it was interesting because in the, the white, the white people would like call me certain names like N lover. Mm hmm. You know, and they were very, they put me down for all my African-American friends. And, but there was this very small group of girls that were so angry because they had a crush on this guy. And so they pinned me down and they drew my face black, face black with a marker. And, and I I couldn't get it off for like three or four days. And I was done with school. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm done. I'm done with all of it. And I would go to my parents, you know, I'd go to my dad and stepmom at that time and, you know, I was always the one that was getting blamed for it. (laughs) And it was, they would never stand up for me. And it was just, it was really, it was devastating. And Mm -hmm. so the thing is, is that, you know, and I understand because kids are raised in certain environments that make that hate and, 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 and the hate on either side is, is horrible. I've Mm -hmm. seen it with Mm -hmm. my own race and Mm -hmm. I've seen it, you know, and it's just, I'm actually right now to let listeners know, I have this woman that she's been a singer for Bishop T.D. Jakes, who's a huge mm-hmm. minister. Love him. And and he, this gal has traveled all over the world with him, Lady Ellis, Lady Brenda Ellis. And when I started singing on his praise team back in 2009, she took me under her wing. She is like my sister from another mister. She is <laughs> one of the most beautiful, beautiful souls. And we're writing a song right now to bring, and I, and I, 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 I can't tell you what it is yet, but it's going to be a song that brings together the different backgrounds mm-hmm. and you'll, and, and Love I love it. And I can't wait to share that with you guys because it's so powerful. Cause she and I were sharing about that, you know, and yeah. she is a woman of just so much love and just the healing that needs to take place, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, and you so know what, a- Hillary, I'm so glad you brought up both sides of that. Yeah. I know you don't know this about me, but I have three, three black children from Africa. Oh, you do? I do. Uh, I adopted three kids in from Ghana and uh, oh. and so they they have experienced racism on both sides as well. They mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. they have been yeah, they by white kids they've been called the N-word and but then oh. by black kids they're too white. You know. And so it's it it can't it can be they're in a they're in a a spot you know and it's yeah you, there it does often i mean i i black lives matter yes all lives matter yes but it it is happening the picture is bigger than sometimes what we see is what i will say and having black children has been a really interesting thing through all this because people think and assume that i'm i'm one thing and i i 
am I'm all things because I just I my my platform is love and equality for all. And Amen. but I yeah. I just it it's not it's not always one sided because sometimes for their black friends they can be too white. And so, I mean, one time Carter came over, he's like, damn, Ma, I can't, I can't win out there. <laughs> oh, <bless Yeah>. soul. <laughs> and, oh, they're so cute, Hillary. They're just oh, precious. Oh. Well, and they'll navigate through it and they'll get through it and it's life and we all have stuff and, you know, they're, they're amazing kids. And, but it, it, it is, it is a, I like that you bring up both sides because it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy for anybody it's not it's not always easy for everyone that's what i can say right well and let me and let me tell you guys so i was very close to my maternal grandfather and he i have two cousins that are mixed and when my when my aunt flew to pittsburgh to introduce the little baby to him there were two feet of snow on the ground he would not let the baby in the house and I was 10, and I remember I loved my cousin so much. I would play the player piano for him and sing to him. I loved him so much. And, I mean, I still love him very much. But And then so she, and then she got um, – it was, it was devastating. But back in the 90s, you know, as I'm, you know, getting sober and I'm doing what I'm doing, grandfather's like, you know, I'm really trying to get more in my Bible because my grandmother played the organ and the, and the piano at church and had for years – and I said, well, granddaddy, how can you say that you're going to get close to God and you're not acknowledging kids that are in your family because of the melanin in their skin? Mm. And, um, well, I was born in a time I said, granddad, you're in a different time now. <laughs> and I, I could say things like that because he was a very strict man. And I but I could I could get away with things that others couldn't. And let me tell you, through our process of conversations he ended up inviting my cousins to the uh, two family reunions and, you know, he just, he grew and we grew together. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. It's about healing, healing these aspects because, you know, same thing though. I know girls that went to uh, more of a school that maybe didn't have the different backgrounds, but were teased about other things and bullied and, you know, so, but it is about bringing more a level of love and kindness to the consciousness of our planet. Mm-hmm. It's just really, it's mm-hmm. about that on all fronts. But so whatever we can do in our creative realms to make that happen, what a beautiful gift that is. Yeah. But anyway. Well, we can't I wait digress. for your song. I know. I'm glad you digress because <laughs> well, so, we're going to be looking for it. So, so, uh, so, you, so you were 13. Is that where you left off at 13? Uh, I, well, I talked about, you know, that That's was the when last. That's you drank. That was 14 and a half is when I first got drunk. I first really got drunk. And, and then so I ended young. up going, yeah, and I ended up only getting drunk a few times, but it scared my brother so much. He told my dad I was put into treatment. Oh, and, they put you into yeah. treatment? Like yeah. you went away? Uh, yeah, I was put into adolescent treatment for like 60 days. Mm-hmm. And then my, my dad, we, there was a trip scheduled to Japan. We were all supposed to go on, and they they went on it, and I stayed in treatment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, um, anyway, so then, um, so then, 
but later on, so I'm working, I'm still trying to go to school. So I'm, I'm still like, I think I'm, this was about uh, eighth grade, eighth, ninth. Um, yeah. And I, I turned, that was when I was 15 and I, I, I turned 16 and I, I, that's a, that 15, that was when I left school finally. And I went back to my mother and I'm, 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 I'm trying to actually, no, I'm still going to school, trying to make it happen. But now I'm in one of the schools for special people that can't, you know, where I'd gone to accelerated classes. Now I'm in these special schools kind of because I'm, I'm just way distracted by my trauma. I just yeah. can't, yeah. I just can't, I can't function well. Mm-hmm. And I'm working at fast food restaurants and I'm trying to make money, staying with my mother. And I remember I was working at a Dairy Queen and these people came in there and I kind of had a thing in my gut, like these aren't good people, but I ignored that. And that's what you do when you've walked mm-hmm. out trauma, different than alcoholism. Okay. And so these people were like, said they could help me. Um, again, radars are going off inside of me, but I'm ignoring it because I'm like, I, I'm, I'm slowly internally being like, with my two fingers up to God, two fingers up to the world and two fingers up to me and like just yes. F everything and everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so these people ended up taking me out of state and I was trafficked as a barely a 16 year old. And, um, Oh, good God. And so what happened was, is that, you know, it's everything that you can imagine. I mean, I would jump out of speeding cars. People try to take me away to hurt me. Um, it, it, for, for two months I was in this situation and then I watched him beat up his favorite girl who was actually one of the girls that the, the one that got me to go with him and um where did you live went, where did you live we lived in motels and you so you didn't go to school you didn't go to school no no and nobody was looking for me Mm-mm. what yeah and so there I am, and I, um, he was always worried about me being underage, and he had beaten this girl up, and we begged him to let her go to the hospital. He would not, and I had this thing that just came up into my mind, and I said, you know what? I talked to my mom, and the, F- and, and see, the other thing was he knew where my mother lived, and that was a big fear for me, that he, yeah. would, hurt, that he would hurt her, and so um, I told him, I said, I talked to my mom, and she and my dad are talking, which they didn't. And the FBI is looking for me and they are really on a hunt for me. And he's like, you need to go home. And the only thing that saved me was the fact that I was underage. But see now, see, I was a little girl. When I was a little girl, I would watch the movies with Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, Gene Kelly, Sid Charisse, you know, all these amazing Old, you know, where I, I wanted to be, you know, I escaped into that fantasy of, you know, that's what love looks like. It's like the gentleman with his top hat, right? We're, we're walking yeah. through the park and then it becomes this musical. So the, the beautiful thing was, is I got to see these old movies and I wanted to get married to one man, have kids, have grandchildren, and then have us both die on the same day. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I had this, you know, I had this thing that I wanted to have that. And and, um, and I would escape into that, you know, the, the gifts that my parents gave me, my father used to read Shakespeare to me and my, and, and he introduced me to blues and jazz and my mother listened to opera and classical and they both introduced me to different cuisines and the nutcracker and 
Swan Lake and the symphony and, you know, all these, you know, so beautiful, wonderful cultural gifts with that. And, and when I was 10, we, I was taken to see the play Annie. And that's mm-hmm. when, when I saw Annie, I wanted to be Annie. And I started singing every day and I learned that I had a singing voice. And so before I ever picked up that drink, one of my outlets was my singing. And when I learned I could sing, I started doing talent shows and auditions. And I, I got just about everything I auditioned for. And I ended up working in the dinner playhouses and I was making great money. But again, the trauma, and that was a great escape for a girl that hated who she was because I could be somebody else and sure, be yeah. another name. That makes so much it, sense. And it gave me relief from the pain that I was internally going through and I, cause I could just escape it. But the trauma, the disease of alcoholism, all these things came up on me. And so anyway, so there I am. Can I ask you a question, Hillary? Sure. Going back real quick, when you were, Mm -hmm. how long, how long did you live that life of trafficking? That was when I was 16 and that was, so that was two months with that particular bunch. But now. See, now what happens is, uh, you know, I didn't, I threw away my virginity, which I was going to save for marriage. You know, I, I, I got drunk and, and threw it away before I was trafficked. And so, you know, I'm just, you know, now I'm cutting on my soul. Mm-hmm. And then now coming back from that, when he let me go home, now who's going to love me? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm too dirty for mm-hmm. any good man. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm a piece of garbage Mm -hmm. in this world. Mm -hmm. And what girlfriends, what nice girls would want to be my friend. Okay. So they really knew if they really knew. And and of course, and I, you know, you feel you can't take enough showers to get the filth off. Mm -hmm. You can't. And so what does a girl like that do? Well, I started working in the strip bars, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and how old are you now? 16. Oh my God. And where, where, mm-hmm. what state are you in? Where are you? I was you? in Denver. Okay. No, I was, I was back in Denver. Okay. And so, uh, so. So you start working at a strip club. I start working at strip clubs. Where do your parents um, think you are? Do they um, even well, care at this point? Um, my father. So a lot of things that I was angry about when I had lived with my father, I had run away because he and I weren't getting along when I'd come back from treatment and I really wanted his attention. I'd bring home straight A's and he'd be like, Oh, that's nice. What's for dinner. And I really wanted him to get excited about me. And he just like, he was, she was just a rager. He just, and he didn't want to be bothered. He just, and I was dying for attention and, um, and sorry, my brain just went somewhere else. Um, and you, you were living you, with your mom, right? Well, I had was living with. Okay, that's what it was. So I had been. I ran away. No, I went. I went with my friends. There's just all these crazy stories. I came back three days later. We snuck in the house, and when my father discovered us at night one night, he kicked me out of the house with no shoes on in the snow, and I. And that's when I called my mom. My mom got me, and um, yeah, but. I actually, when I was working at that age, I was staying with my mother and helping her with the bills. So, which was another, which I realized later is another form of abuse. Absolutely. (laughs) For sure. So I, um, so there's all these things. Um, and then. So now you're a stripper. You're. Um, yeah. And I discover cocaine. And I'm snorting cocaine. People say, don't ever, don't ever smoke it. Don't ever smoke it. And I watch these people act like 
total morons. And one day I'm like, what is the big deal? You guys keep doing this. Why are you guys acting like that? And then I, I did it. And then I was hooked. I was hooked. And, and are you, have you stopped drinking at this point or are you still drinking too? No, I'm still drinking. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Drinking, drinking, drugging. Yeah. All okay. of that. And I, my preference was smoking cocaine and drinking alcohol and working in the clubs. And if I really need extra money, I act out in the other ways that I had learned. And it's just, and I have a, I have a boyfriend I'm supporting who's just, you know, obviously a top notch, respectable young guy. <laughs> and, you know, just, you know, my life is a total, it's just, it's totally in hell is what I would say. Mm-hmm. It's just hell. And then I try to get 18. I um, was 95 pounds. I, um, and how like, tall are you? I'm five, five. Wow. And my skin is kind of like a greenish color and it's all broken out because I'd be up for days and I'd be picking, scratching my face. Ugh. And, um, hmm. I'm, I'm just really, you know, I'm just, Lost. I look like a child of Auschwitz. I mean, I look, I look terrible. Yeah. And, um, Hillary, um, can I, can I ask you a question real quick about the girls that you please. work with? Cause I've always, you know, people, of course, um, people, women who work at strip clubs, like I, mm. I it's my imagination. And I, um, the story that I tell myself about these women is that their story is your story. They're broken. They've come from brokenness. They are lost. They're hurting. They don't want to be doing that. But they, this is where, this is the path or the life that that they're in. Well, Do you think it, that? Do you, is that well, your experience? Toba, as, as some of it is, I've had, there was a time when I had a lot of dancers in my practice. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were Russian dancers and there's an anger in there. Mm-hmm. And there is so, and, and the, you know, what's interesting, and I don't know if this was your experience. I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this before, Hillary, but what the girls talked a lot about was that the men that are in those places and that are putting dollar barrels in them, you know, and they're G string and all of that. And they, 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 the men think the girls like them, and but the girls hate them. Mm. There's a there's a it makes sense. A, it's a that's how a that's power. why they can do it. That's why they there can do it. Power over. Do you remember feeling like that, Hillary? I I can tell you this. Yeah, there's an anger inside of you, but there's also an anger inside of them. Mm. Oh, because sure. Yeah, sure. because. And, but what you you get the different background, like you get girls that are like, oh, I just can't wait to give this job up. And then you have other ones that are going, yeah, I'm paying my way through school. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm just, you know, you get into, you know, they, cause it's a power thing because you were so powerless as a little girl that, and I, you know, I, regardless if it was sexual trauma or abandonment trauma there, I don't care what anybody says. There is some kind of trauma for you to get into that kind of work. Yeah. Period. For sure. The end. Yeah. Period. The end. Whether they want to admit it, whether they don't remember it, whether whatever, there is trauma there. And the only way, so Tova, to answer that question, um, yes, they're all broken. Yeah. The men that come in there, you know, they can't have any respect for women. And listen, I have friends that have gone to strip bars and 
didn't want to go back. And, and then I had other ones that were sex addicts, you know, like all kinds of things, but there's always like, I don't want to go to a a male strip club. Yeah. And now I did that when I was back and broken. I did it a couple of times. I really thought it was kind of gross, but that was me. And it could probably, cause I didn't like the power switch. Who knows, who knows what, but I didn't, I didn't like a lot of things, but Either way, it's it's definitely a place of brokenness on both sides. And I want, I'll get into that in just a second. But what I want to tell you is, so there I am. And I, at 18, I finally decide I want to go back to treatment. I, and then I call my dad. And my dad is like, I can afford to help you with five days. See, I had, I had money left to me by my grandfather. And my father spent, spent the money. And um, it's a long story. So there was financial abuse there too, yeah. but, um, um, so I, I, then I'm trying to get sober and I had a relapse at 19 for like, I was sober for like five and a half months, had a relapse for like two weeks. And then I was sober almost two years. And that's when the memories came back. And what I wouldn't do is that the people that were sober telling me to do this full thing, I would do just part of it. You know, I would mm-hmm. do this, just, I would only go so far in the process. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I still couldn't let people in because I'd pretend like everything was okay, but I couldn't let him in. And, and, um, I was having nightmares at night and, um, just having a really hard time started getting an eating disorder. I would, I believe I was anorexic growing up because the rage was going on around me. And I would just, if I got upset, I just would stop eating and they would try to force me to eat. But then later on I got into bulimia and, um, at almost two years I relapsed. Um, I, I relapsed. I just, I wouldn't, I didn't take the full process and, and the desire to drink and use came again. And then I, had a heck of a time getting sober for four and a half years and I ruined four major record deals. I had every opportunity and I would build things up and then I would tear it down. I'd build things up for 30 days, 45 days, and then I would tear it down and, and I would go and work in health food restaurants and paint houses and, and I, w- I cause I was going to be a good girl. Right. But I'm going to do everything, but the processes that these uh, people that have been successful in sobriety are laying out for me. And And then I would end up, you know, hawking half my house to the dealer. So then I would have to go back to the club again, which I didn't want to do. And I'd get all my stuff back. And, and eventually, eventually there was a gal that used to pass out drunk in the corner and I used to tell her she should control her drinking (laughs) (laughs) and wait, yeah, wait till the end of the night. And so what happened is that one day I walk in the club after I had had a relapse and, and she had bright eyes. She was doing well. And she said, I said, what is going on with you girl? And she said, I've got six months sober. And I said, how do you have that here? And she says, well, I'm here to take care of business, blah, 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 blah. But I was interested because I wanted six months sober. I couldn't believe it. I thought you had to become a good girl before you could get sober. And, and, um, so I ended up going to meetings. I ended up, she asked me, do you want to come down to Texas with me for and visit for a few days? I, um, I'm beginning to be moving down there. So I came down to Texas and I don't know what changed for me, but I stopped pretending that everything was okay to people. And these, and, and, and these people that were also, that were sober, I went and I just told them I hated them. I hated God. I hated me. I hated the fact I had to deal with this. 
and I didn't want to talk about it. And then they'd invite me to lunch and then they would, you know, they just kept on showing love to me. And there was a particular woman who I thought had a lot of peace inside of her. And I asked her for help and she, she and a group of people laid out this path for me and I started doing the deal. I started doing the deal and, um, and, um, I had nightmares. Um, I will tell you this. So I, I ended up, I had almost three years and I drank one night because I started keeping secrets again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my, my, my spiritual advisor said, if you keep doing these things, because I had a guy cheat on me and I, I ended up, I, I started acting out with men. And, uh, she said, if you keep doing this, you're going to drink again. And so I just quit telling her. And that's what happens. You can, you can, you can, you know, you can't, you can't have secrets. You just can't have the no. secrets. And so secrets keep us sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then I started, I got back into the, the middle of the herd that supported me and I started doing the deal again, but I'm having nightmares every single night. And let me, let me explain this to you too. My first two, two years sober, I was still, I would, I would work one night a month. I was down to one night a month leaving crying And I just, I didn't want to work there, but I was, and I didn't have a singing voice. Uh, I had lost my singing voice to drinking drugs and smoking two packs of Newports. You know, I quit all that when I got sober, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) and they didn't know if I'd ever sing again. So there I am and I'm back at this club and I'm there on a, on a Friday night and there was a bachelor party that came in and I'm like, Oh, okay. And it distracted me for that night. And the next day, so what happened was, is that my spiritual advisor, she said, Hillary, I had a real hard time with God because I'd been abused in the church. And, and, and my dad was an atheist and just all kinds of stuff like that. And, and I said to my spiritual advisor, I said, my voice won't come back. I've, 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 I've done these rounds of steroids. I've been to speech therapists. I've gone to try to do all these different things. And she said, she said, why don't you ask God to return your voice if it's his will? And I'm like, Egh! I'm like, everything you say is God, 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 God. And she goes, exactly. <laughs> and, our, and our deal was, is that I didn't have to like what she said. I just got to do it because she said, if you get to the end of this process and you still want to drink, I'll take you out and get you drunk. But if you do what I, if you, if you do what is outlined for you, I, I really believe that you're going to have a, a different life. That's a and, smart um, woman. Yeah. And she said, I'm not going to make you quit that place because if God doesn't want you in that place after taking these particular actions, you won't be in that place. So she just, she said, people have made you quit. People have made you. She's like, if you don't drink no matter what, and you go do these things, you will have a different life. And so bottom line is, is that I, uh, I, 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 after three months of doing these prayers, I started getting my voice back. And then I, like I said, I was down to one night a week working in the clubs and I walked in and I work a bachelor party and they're like, they're all good looking. They're about five years older than me. And the next day I had a wedding to sing at. (laughs) And so, oh yeah, for you listeners that didn't quite comprehend it, the same bachelor party was in the wedding that I'm singing at the very next day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And and for all of you that are from Dallas, it was down at the Hall of State. Yes, it was. From men's club to the Hall of State. Okay. So it's all local, baby. So what happened is that I'm like, I'm like, I just want to die, but I'm singing my little songs and I'm waiting. (laughs) 
I sang the three I little songs during imagine. the ceremony and I'm dying, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh so, my gosh. I know. And so, I, so yeah, double life doesn't work in sobriety either, you know? No, and so no. I, uh, so I'm waiting to get paid and those guys all come walking up to me and they said, hey, we were talking about you last night. And I'm like, I'm sure you were. And <laughs> they... <laughs> And today, too, I'm sure. And they said, no, no, we want to tell you we saw you in there and we just felt like we didn't understand why you were there because you just didn't fit. It didn't make sense why you were even in that place. Mm, that is so sweet. And I, and I said, I said, yeah, OK. And they said, but we listened to you sing today and this is your gift. This is what you should be doing. And see, that's how my power, my higher power had come in. He had to come into the yeah. places where I was. And from that day on, I didn't have to go back to that club. And, 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 and so the bottom line is, is the, the bottom line is, is that it did. So my first six years sober, I had nightmares every night that I, that I, that I was getting attacked and, and I would, and I would feel like I was abused all over again. And I wake up, really wake up, you know, when you're kind of in a half dreamy state, mm -hmm. half not, but you think you're really in it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I would feel like I was really getting hurt. Mm. And so Tova, I know this is a lot. So no. Um, so my spiritual advisor at six years sober, I had been celibate for two years at a time, not because I was trying to get well, but because I despise and loathe men. And, and then I would date somebody who would cheat on me and then I'd go act out, cut on my soul. And it was this pattern. And she told me, she says, if you don't go get trauma treatment, for your sexual abuse, I am not going to be there for you now. You need to go do this. And so she got with a foundation who paid for half my treatment. I went to treatment in Arizona and I faced, I started facing the traumas and I had to go do that. And, um, how long were you gone? I was gone probably about 40 days, oh, good. 38 days, something like that. And, and I got out and during this time, so another part of my story, and I want to say this to some of the listeners, you know, I, you know, when you think you're nothing but a carcass to be used and abused, you treat yourself that way too. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, Tova and Janice already knows this, but I've gone through a lot of excruciating pain in my life. Okay. But the most painful thing I've ever had to face for me have been the abortions Mm. And I had gone to that treatment center. I had taken the morning after pill, but I was pregnant and I um, got out. I find out that the guy I had been dating had been cheating with me on with half of Dallas. And, and I ended up, I ended up, I tried three times to go terminate it, but I had made a commitment that I, to God that I wasn't going to do that again. And this would have been my sixth one. And, 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 you know, I did stuff. It's one thing when you do it when you're drinking and drugging and then another thing when you do it, when you're mm -hmm. sober and it's a whole nother game. Mm -hmm. It's that's it, not a game at all. It's actually, it's hell on earth. And what happened was, is that I was, t I was scared. I didn't have anybody there for me. My mother would say things like, don't expect me to be your nanny. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, just mm -hmm. again, not, and, and just scared financially scared in every way. And, um, you know, I was pregnant with twins oh. and I had, I had taken a medicine one night and the doctor, it was in my first four weeks. And she said, this is a class D medication and you're going to be playing Russian roulette with it, whether these babies will be healthy or not. 
but everything in me did not want to terminate. But I, but then again, I was scared, you know, I was in a battle within myself. And when I terminated, I, I did the third time I went in there and everything was screaming in me as they're putting the antibiotic in me. Cause they give you antibiotics before they knock me out. And I wake up and I'm in a world of darkness. Like I, like, like I'm in hell. How old are and you I, at this time? Oh my gosh. I'm in my thirties. I'm 34. I'm 34 at this point. And so, you know, if you, it, it, it doesn't matter how old the shell is if we still have trauma. Yeah, no. And I, I, I was fresh out of trauma treatment. The, only, the good thing that happened out of there is I got to tell my dad the entire truth and he had to listen to and he acknowledged that it happened. And, you know, no longer, no longer were there any secrets mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get feelings out and that was, that was amazing. But then, you know, it's still uh, for the next over a year, about a year and four to six months, I lost my mind and people were scared. They were afraid I was going to kill myself or they didn't know or lose it. And and I, I, I was pretty much on the brink of a, of a complete uh, psychotic break for, and, and I again acted out and cut on my soul with the men's stuff. Fine. You know, I just, I, and I was told, do not get this, do not terminate when you're dealing with all this childhood stuff, no matter what one day you took something. And I knew women that had taken stuff their whole pregnancy and had beautiful, healthy kids, you know, but I wasn't thinking in those terms. So I ended up, uh, my, my spiritual advisor at the time kind of had fallen off the, she didn't fall off the wagon, but she was struggling with a lot of codependent stuff that really made her crazy. And I wouldn't hear back from her. She became very unhealthy. She almost died about nine times. And I ended up getting Mm -hmm. another, another person to really help me. And I remember when I told her everything I was up to, she said, Hillary, she said, I love you and I'm never going to leave you. And if you could see you like I do, you would never do these things. Mm. Or she, she said, you wouldn't, you would, you would, she wouldn't say never do these things. She said, if I wish you could see you like I see you and how valuable and loved you are. And she says, I'm scared for you, but I'm never going to leave you. Cause I was so scared. She would leave me that abandonment stuff. Mm-hmm. And I used to always ask, are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? <laughs> and she, within a few months of knowing her, I was able to walk completely away from all of that and just start singing again. And even though I had my voice, I didn't have me, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I started doing, I started making great money singing. I was running bands. I was singing at events I was completely away because I talked about if you want to build self-esteem, you have to do esteemable things. You know, I learned that in another place. And the bottom line is, is that I started singing, singing, and I started um, doing stuff for our military. And these guys would come up to me crying and with legs blown off and everything like that, thanking me for singing our national anthem. And and I was like, are you kidding me? And I ended up singing um, at all these amazing events here and in, in Nashville and in LA. And then I started getting sick and I discovered through a a whole long other story. I found out through a lot of different, different things that happened that I had a very rare congenital heart defect, something I was born with that I had been misdiagnosed about for a long time. Uh, they said I had a leaky valve since 97, but really what I had, uh, was, um, two pulmonary veins that were going up and over and recycling. I wasn't getting my whole life 50% of my oxygenated blood. And only one adult in the world had had the surgery, and I had a 50% chance of living through this. 
Mm. <laughs> um, so what happened is, is that, should I, can I keep going? Yeah. I don't know. I feel okay. Yeah. Okay. So what happened is that I, because of the abortion stuff and I, what I was trying to tell you guys earlier is there's been nothing more painful for me to face than the pain of that. Yeah. I saw like when I terminated that other, I saw twins everywhere. I'd wonder how old, you know, I just, how wow. old other, other periods were. And I can tell you out of all the abuses, everything, there has been nothing more painful and agonizing than that, 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 right. I don't know how I stayed sober. I didn't commit suicide through all that. So going into my heart surgery, I asked the doctor, can I free, can I freeze eggs? I'm 40 years old at this point. My TSH levels are still okay. Or FSH, whatever they're called. <laughs> I forget what they're called. That hormone, <laughs> that, that, that special hormone. So he said I could, but I couldn't wait more than a year because if we wait, then it could, you know, I could die. And so I froze eggs and I have little babies in a freezer right now. <laughs> I have little, <laughs> little eggs in a freezer. So uh-huh. I went, but I went through the heart surgery and I had a burning bush experience and I lost my voice again. And because the way they had to move the heart with the phrenic nerve and but then I had to do my prayers again. I went back. I went back to, I went to college. Um, I, I got my, I got my GD some years back in recovery and I got, I went to college and I, cause I, cause my lower power was telling me I'm really stupid. And how do you, how do you counteract that? You, you, you go and you take actions. And I found out that when you get a tutor to get good rest and you study, <laughs> Guess what? You can get A's and A pluses. It's amazing how that happened. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> and so that really helped me. And and then my voice started coming back after a year, year and a half. And I decided I didn't want to finish school because I wanted to sing. I couldn't do both. So I started singing for some conferences and really trying to give back to the community that helped my life so much. And one of the things, one of my dreams was, since I missed out on record deals, I wanted to sing mainstream music again. And during this time, um, I'm sending people to treatment with my own money. Um, there's a man that had been part of my life off and on who was very, very successful, who helped my life. And um, we'd be friends. We just, we kind of had a crazy stuff going on. And in between that, in between that, I'll tell you more about the relational stuff, but I, I ended up meeting this amazing Grammy award-winning producer who started working with me and we started recording these songs in LA three and a half years ago. And two years ago I had a top 10 and last year I had a number one. And at 25, I was told I was too old for the record business oh and at age fi- <laughs> and age and at age 50, it's like, boom, I got, it's like God has a sense of humor. Toba. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he sure yeah. does. He sure does. And so, um, so then i still had a hard time and I met Janice six years ago. Well, you're right, Janice, it was 2014. Mm-hmm. And Janice, I was, you know, I still, you know, I had healed from a lot, but I still, and I, I I still had this belief inside myself that no good man could love me. Mm. Okay. I still had that thing. So I still selected narcissistic, abusive men that were takers and it was tumultuous, sick. And, and, and Janice started working with me with this. And, and the thing was, is I got to tell you, number two on my list of hell is love addiction. 
Mm. <laughs> it's and awful. It's awful. And let me tell you something. It, and, 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 and I, I learned a lot of things about how it affects the brain and how, the, how it, and, 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 and leaving that, the withdrawal is, is so painful. But what I can say is that, you know, we've walked this thing out and it took <laughs> four, four and a half years, mm-hmm. something like that for me to, to, for me, cause I jumped from one awful thing. I've jumped to the frying pan into the fire. And, and it took time, but then when I really started, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I really have this belief about myself and I had to be willing to face the pain no matter what, not kill myself from the pain because it was all historical, historical when Janice says when it's hysterical, it's historical. And (laughs) it's so true. I've never heard you say that, Janice. (laughs) It is so true. It's true. Wow. That's great. Isn't that fabulous? And it's so true. so So here I am, I'm doing red carpets, but I'm in, in this horribly abusive and he's abusive in every way, financially, emotionally, physically, sexual, just every way. And, um, and not, I wasn't always bad. But there were times, right? And there were deal breakers. And I couldn't let him go from the deal breakers. And it's because I, it was that little girl in me. Mm-hmm. That little girl in me. Yep. And guess what, Tova? Today, Hillary doesn't do that. <laughs> because Hillary, Hillary chooses men that are respectful, kind, honorable, generous. And I've, I've dated a couple of people that were very, very nice. Um, but they had their own, you know, they were, they weren't abusive. They just weren't ready. Mm-hmm. What'd you say? Yeah. What'd you say? Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. Yeah. And I'm dating another guy right now. He's very sweet. It's new. It's he's, he's sober. He's um, there has not been a deal breaker. Mm. And, and, and I'm being very transparent with my people, my accountable accountability people, which Janice is one of them about that. But let me tell you how free I feel. Like if we, don't kill ourselves. We don't drink no matter what. We don't drug no matter what. That we really, yes, we're going to go through valleys. We're going to go through hard times. But then we're elevated to a higher place of self-love, of consciousness, of um, freedom that is just, you just can't believe you got there. Like I can say, so 10 years before we launched my foundation, I was sending people to treatment for alcoholism, drug addiction, trauma, et cetera. And just trying to, and then officially launched my foundation last May. And, and now we have a board, we have people backing us financially. I mean, there's all these things that are happening where we help people with trauma and mental health and um, alcoholism, drug addiction, codependency. And, you know, it's evolving. But what's so beautiful, what's so beautiful, the most beautiful thing, Tova and Janice already knows this, is that today I really do look in the mirror and I don't see a piece of trash. Like Mm -hmm. today I see a precious child of God. You know why? Because the adult, it's that when you do the trauma work, the little girl's voice stops. That yeah. that was the little girl that looked in the mirror and said, "You're terrible. You're not enough." And when the, that's why that trauma work is so important because then the the adult starts looking in the mirror instead of the little girl. 
And that's the thing. And see these tools that Janice is talking about, you know, and and you feel dumb doing it. You're like, okay. She's like, get your pictures of the different ages. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, and it doesn't matter what your opinion is about it. It's experiential. It's like, if you do the work, you get the results and Mm -hmm. you can't, you know, if if I judge it and I, and I, then I'm not going to be able to get the results. And so I got to, I got to do the work, even if I'm kind of backward judging it, take the action and it, it, and it grows. And, and let me just I'm really glad you, you I, said that because mm-hmm. so many people resist, they resist help. They res, they need help, but they resist help or they think they don't need help or they think it's stupid or whatever the thing is. And we, you know, we cannot do it alone. We just can't, we need, we, we all need help. We need help. And the bottom line is, is I am so grateful Mm -hmm. for the life that I've been given because I never knew I could have a life without nightmares (laughs) or a life without wanting to die every single day. I never knew that I could have a life without being addicted to some dang man. I, you know, and that was abusive to me. I never knew that I could, I mean, I am so much freer from all the stuff with the pain of the abortions and all those things. Do I still want kids? I do. I, 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 I can't carry, but we'll see if that's in the cards for me, you know, and, 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 and to have a surrogate, you know, have a surrogate and, you know, I'm just praying about how all that's supposed to unfold. But I know that, you know, I am precious. And today I can see like right now the sun is setting over here and it's so beautiful. And I get excited. I have a swan that comes to the lake behind my house and I've got butterflies and the little birds. And I mean, like I, there's so many simple things that excite me that my dog's playing, um, being a goofball. I just, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things that are like, I never thought I'd have a life of yay. And today I have, a life beyond my wildest dreams. Do I go through things? Yes. Our whole world is in trauma right now. We're all dealing yep. with trauma and it is more work this year. I, I, I was telling somebody, I said, you know, I'm 51 and I said, you know, next year I'm going to celebrate my 60th birthday after 2020. And not, and not that I'm going to have you know, 24 years sober, I'm going to have 30 years sober. No, (laughs) but it's really, and, but what is my greatest legacy? My greatest legacy is how can I make a difference with my experiences of what I've been through? Guess what? I have girls that I help today. I was just on the phone with a crisis one, two days ago who had an abortion in the spring and she just wants that baby back inside her. And guess what? I can use my pain to help her. I have another one that she's in a tumultuous relationship and I can give her that love of walking that. I mean, we get these opportunities to give out of the greatest pain. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And that's, it, it gives purpose to our pain, which I, which I believe in, you know, I really believe that, that beauty can come from the ashes. I mean, it's, it's right there in the Bible. It's, and it's just true. I've seen it in so many people's lives. It, it's all of those things that you talked about, Hillary, they are part of your story and they're profound parts of your story, but they're not your story. And you've done all those things, but you're not, you're, you are not all those things. And uh, yeah, you know, it's so funny. I mean, uh, you have been through 
trauma and things and experiences and had things that all, all I will never go through and I will never understand. But every single person listening has also gone through something. You know, it's, it's a different story. It's a different problem. It's a different issue. And as people, and I love this so much about you, Hillary, and I really want you to know how much I appreciate it. As people, we are taught to hide those things. You know, if you're going through a difficult time, if you, if you experienced trauma, if you've been abused, if you've had an abortion, if you've been an addict, you know, you, you hide that shit, you hide your freak because they might not like you. They might not accept you. I mean, it's all the things that, that you were afraid of when you were a little girl, you know, like I, you're 14 years old, you've already had sex in, if you want good friends, you can't, you have to hide who you are because good friends aren't going to let you in. And I just really admire you for, for telling your truth because I think it gives people freedom to tell their truth. And it also allows us to remember that we all have, we all have a closet we all have stuff that if everybody knew, I mean, I've told people a thousand times, if you, if you knew who, what I'm capable of and what I've done and what I've said and how I have felt, uh, you probably wouldn't hire me to speak, especially at your church. And it's just the truth. And yet you know, we, we are, and I love Janice for this, and I know you, I'm sure you do too, is we're just, we're just humans. We're just Humans in a broken world. Do you do you have it in you to sing just a quick something? Yeah, yeah. There's a song. So there's a friend of mine. The reason I started singing again to try a little more open. I'm in this open space, but there's a song that, uh, um, you know. yeah, there's a song that I have uh, that I wrote, and it, my friend was married to an alcoholic, and she got really sick. She kept encouraging me to sing, and I kept telling her it was too late, and she kept pushing me. And oh. when I when my career started taking off, she got very sick with a very rare form of muscular dystrophy, and she attempted suicide seven times. And um, and. I wrote a song for her and no longer does she want to kill herself. And she's actually met Prince Harry. We were on the BBC with the song and it was my song pleading to her and the way she loved me. And so, but can, can I call you? Can we, can, can you call me on my home phone? Can I give you that number? And then I can play the background music on this phone. Is that okay with you guys? Okay. Here, so thank you it. so much for singing for us. Yeah. 
You said, oh, don't give up tonight. It's too soon for goodbye. Hold on. Let me love you like you love me. Oh, you're the reason why I am still alive. Hold on. Let me love you like you love me. When I was a broken bird, I showed you how to take my Even though it's hard for you, just let me hold you tight while you cry. And you don't understand that it's all God's plan. Think it back to the time you were holding my hand. You said, oh, don't give up tonight. It's too soon for goodbye. Hold on. Let me love you like you love me. Oh, you're the reason why I am still alive. Hold on. Let me love you like you love me. In the midst of your hair, you know your light still shines. Oh, don't give up tonight. It's too soon for goodbye. Hold on. belt like that that is <laughs> i don't know i'm squeaking it out of me without being wow. warmed up wow but... and no notice you just so you just did that quickly Thank tell you. us how to if somebody wants to look up your foundation and make a contribution or oh where do yeah they go? and i earn i put i put all the initial big monies in there um they can go to red songbird Dot org. I don't take a paycheck. I take no cents. No, yeah, no cents. I take not a single cent from my foundation. It is strictly for humanity. So, so we have to pay good. for like some of the office stuff and everything, but no, it's not. And, and, and a couple of the, the employees and everything, but it's not, it is not, I, I don't personally get anything. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, Hillary, you... It's just so your story is so so powerful and it's I have had the pleasure of having your friendship and I just admire you more than I can even say and we are so grateful yes for you taking well, the time to to spend this time with us and um yes Hillary and thank you thank you 
I yes. just I want to say something to the listeners. You know, here is an angel on the phone. I mean, there's two angels, and Tova, I've just met you. But here is a thing where there have been many times I didn't want to tell her the truth. I didn't want to tell Janice the truth. I didn't want to tell her what was really going on. But this is where you do what doesn't feel right. What What's right from your survival mode, that you do the next right thing and you let people in because without that, I would be miserable or mm-hmm. dead right now. But I, Or I'd be, worse yet, I'd be living a life of horrific hell. Mm-hmm. And because I've allowed people in throughout the years, and Janice has been one of those angels in my life, my life is, is even so different than six years ago. Mm. So, Amen to that. Amen to that, Hillary. <laughs> Hillary, will you tell us all the ways? So what's your Instagram? What's your website? So how do people find you? Um, Instagram is official Hillary Roberts. Um, my Facebook is official Hillary Roberts. Um, Twitter, I believe, is Hillary Roberts. But you can also go to my website and you can click on the links there. I'm oh, an official. Good. I'm official Hillary Roberts on YouTube. Um, and, and, on, come, and on Instagram. You know, come be my friend. Private message me if you if you if you can. We can reconnect you with the foundation. It's important, no matter where you are in this world that if you need resources, I mean, you have these two beautiful ladies, you can, but you can private message me and, you know, it's just all about walking each other home. We're just walking each other mm, home. I love that. I've you never heard so that. Precious. And I love that. <laughs> well, <laughs> so so we'll send you the link to where you can listen to today's broadcast. And, oh, great. and then uh, if you want to post it for other people to hear your story, you're free to do that through tovacita.com also yes and thank you oh thank you so much for (laughs) being so brave and teaching us all that our stories matter and and we're never we're never we're not bad we're we may be broken but you can always come back you can always come back we're not alone yes and yeah and here's the thing anybody if you're worried about what people think about you i can promise you nobody has despised my I, nobody could despise me more than I all the years and the mm-hmm. time that I took to just beat the heck out of myself. So true. And so and true. we don't you know people are here to the true friends will love you. Yeah. Love you to get you to better places. They will. Yeah. They will. And you just got to do the work. You just got to do the work. Amen. That's right. Suit up. Amen. All right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, ladies, uh, thank you for your time. Thank you, Hillary. It was so nice to meet you. And thank you, you too. all your listeners or all our listeners for listening to this powerful story. And I hope it I hope it blesses you and, and hopefully you can pass it along to somebody else who could use it. We really, really appreciate all of you. Have a wonderful week. You too, dears. Okay, and take care. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.